What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Ghostbusters Afterlife and Nightmare Alley. First, let's talk about the movie Ghostbusters Afterlife. Here's a quick synopsis. Phoebe Spangler and her mom and brother move into her absentee grandfather's house and while there, learn about his supernatural past as a member of the Ghostbusters. The film stars McKenna Grace, Finn Wolfhard, Carrie Coon, Paul Rudd, Logan Kim, and Celeste O'Connor. This is a good film to talk about because so many people really like this movie and then on the other side, so many people really didn't. I mean, it's 50-50 whether or not you really like this movie and I'm gonna say it right off top I like this movie the standout performances come from McKenna Grace who is only 15 years old yet has already given two memorable performances in films first in Gifted with Chris Evans which is a super underrated film and now in Ghostbusters Afterlife she's the lead of her own blockbuster and I think she gives a very fun leading performance I'm a big fan of her co-star Finn Wolfhard he is really good in the show Stranger Things I know some people don't really Really like him and they think they're just putting him in everything because he's on that show. I think Finn Wolfhard is a good actor. And I think it's cool that in the show Stranger Things his character dresses like a Ghostbuster for Halloween and now he's in a Ghostbusters movie. Those kind of things are cool. And finally, Logan Kim plays the best friend of McKenna Grace's character who calls himself Podcast. I thought he was the funniest part of the film. McKenna Grace will next appear in Grace, a film directed by Olivia Wilde and Wolfhard will star in When You Finish Saving the World, the directorial debut of Jesse Eisenberg, along with Julianne Moore, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio adaptation. The director of Ghostbusters Afterlife is Jason Reitman, who on paper doesn't seem like the best fit for a movie like this. His filmography includes Thank You for Smoking with Aaron Eckhart. That is a really good film. I highly recommend it. Then he went on to direct Juno, which was a sensation. I think people forget how big Juno was was as a movie. It turned Elliot Page into a star. It turned Michael Sarah into a star. It was an early Jason Bateman performance. J.K. Simmons is fantastic in that film. Juno was not only a box office hit, it was an Oscar contending film. Then he directed one of the best George Clooney performances in Up in the Air. And oh, by the way, Anna Kendrick has never been better than in that film. And then Young Adults with Charlize Theron. Jason Reitman does not direct big studio blockbusters films. So why exactly did he direct a Ghostbusters film? The reason is because his father is Ivan Reitman, who directed the original two Ghostbusters films. I mean, I can see how that can bother some people. Like, if George Lucas's sons went on to direct future Star Wars movies, that would bother a lot of people. But let's not act like Jason Reitman is some schmuck filmmaker. This is a guy who's directed some of the best films of the past 20 years. Now, a lot of people disagree with me, but I think Jason Reitman is a really good filmmaker and deserves a shot to make a big budget movie and overall I liked what Jason Reitman did and if you're a fan of most of his movies I think you're really going to like Ghostbusters Afterlife. The problem is if you're a diehard fan of the original films this might not be the film for you. And as much as I did like this movie there is a part of me that would want a different kind of Ghostbusters film like the ones from the 80s led by the biggest comedic talents of their time. 
Give me a Ghostbusters movie with Seth Rogen, Bill Hader, Michael Sarah, and Craig Robinson. That would be my dream Ghostbusters team. Who says no to that? I like Ghostbusters Afterlife, but it's not hilarious like the first movie is, and the first movie is hilarious because of Bill Murray. The kids in this movie are good actors, but they're not funny other than Logan Kim. Like, this doesn't feel like a comedy. It feels like a heartfelt film, which in and of itself is really good, but it's not a comedy. It's not a laugh out loud funny movie. And in recent years, these sequels of beloved franchises have become polarizing because it's nearly impossible to give people what they want. If you make a movie that's too similar to the original like Star Wars Force Awakens which I think is great and Jurassic World, people get mad because of the lack of originality. But then if you make something so different than the original work, you get accused of not giving fans what they wanted, like with Star Wars The Last Jedi. There will never be a clear consensus on movies like these. Because the truth is we never had a clear consensus on these type of movies in the first place. We now have this large outlet called the internet where we can give every opinion ever on every film. Not everyone was a fan of the original Star Wars trilogy. Not everyone loved the original two Ghostbusters film. We just all thought that we did because there was no internet for these last naysayers to say the problems with those films. Everyone on the internet has a problem with everything. There will never be a clear consensus favorite blockbuster moving forward because of the internet. There's always going to be loud people saying, I don't like this movie and here are the reasons why. We have those now. We just didn't have those back in the 80s when the Star Wars movies and the Ghostbusters movies and all of those type of movies were being made. Just look at what happened to the two 2016 female-led Ghostbusters movie. It's an average okay film, yet it's one of the most polarizing studio films in recent memory because some misguided so-called superfans are upset that someone messed with the sacred cow that is Ghostbusters. It's ridiculous. Ghostbusters is just a silly comedy. These kind of movies reveal the dark side of obsessive fandom. And this problem isn't going to go away anytime soon. It's going to happen when Indiana Jones 5 comes out, that movie's gonna come out and we're gonna say, oh, that movie's nothing like the original Indiana Jones films that we all grew up and loved. That's the problem. There's no way to please everyone when it comes to these nostalgic properties because they all think of those nostalgic properties as their childhood and when you remake them and you give them something they didn't want, they look at it as, you're ruining my childhood. Right now you have that online debate about Luke Skywalker about how Star Wars won't get rid of Luke Skywalker because the honest truth is if they got rid of Luke Skywalker and stopped using him from now until forever no one would care about Star Wars because that's the nostalgia you bring back Boba Fett you bring back Obi-Wan Kenobi you bring back Luke Skywalker because that's what the people wants and if you don't give them that they're not going to watch your shows and movies it's the same thing with this movie you couldn't make an original Ghostbusters movie without Bill Murray Ernie Hudson and Dan Aykroyd show up or people would have gotten upset. There needs to be a little bit of nostalgia to get people interested in these movies moving forward. The other thing that people are annoyed about with this film is this idea that they're trying to sell this movie to kids with the mini marshmallow characters and yes they are. It's like Star Wars with the Ewoks and Jar Jar Binks. These movies are meant to make money and one of the biggest ways to do that is to make it family friendly. I don't know why people still get worked up about it. They want 
the biggest audience possible. If they make a cuddly creature to gain people's interest, then that's what they're going to do. It's like Grogu, aka Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. He doesn't need to look like that. Do you know why he looks like that? To sell toys. That's what they're in the business of, making property to get your kids interested. They're not trying to please the 50 and 60 year old fans. They want new fans so they can keep the franchise profitable. And there is a part of me that thinks it's completely ridiculous that there are these guys out there with these Ghostbuster things going, oh yes, I'm nostalgic towards the time period where I wore a Ghostbusters backpack. Why can't the kids of this era get their version of that? Why is that so bad? Ghostbusters was a silly kids movie if you really think about it. So then they just made another silly kids movie about it. Settle down. Is Ghostbusters Afterlife as good as the original Ghostbusters film? No. But it does have something you don't see in modern studio movies. Sentimentality, which is something that was also in Spider-Man No Way Home. Both are heartfelt and that's what I want from these kind of movies. I want some emotion and meaning. And in that way, Ghostbusters Afterlife delivers in a big way. I don't want an emotionless movie. I don't care if it's a studio movie. I don't want if it's an indie movie. I want to feel something after I watch the movie. I don't want it to be just entertaining. The movie made just under $200 million on a $75 million budget during a pandemic. There will at the very least be another Ghostbusters sequel and I'm here for it. Bring back McKenna Grace. Bring back Finn Wolfhard. Bring back Harry Coon. Bring back Paul Rudd who I thought was actually really funny in this movie at times. And please bring back Logan Kim and I wouldn't even be mad if Bill Murray played a bigger role in the sequel movie. I mean it would be cool to see Bill Murray in a full return to this character. Overall I think Ghostbusters Afterlife pays homage to the original while moving the plot forward and making it feel modern and really that's all you can ask for. I definitely recommend you check out Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Nightmare Alley. Here's a quick synopsis. Stanton Carlisle is a loner until he gets a job as a carny where he starts to form his own act and is soon consumed and blinded by his own selfish ambition. The film stars Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Cate Blanchett, Willem Dafoe, David Strathairn, Tony Collette, and Richard Jenkins. There's two major selling points for this movie. It's super all-star cast and the director of the film is Guillermo del Toro. Here's what I liked about the movie. First, the standout performances. Bradley Cooper delivers one of the best lead performances of his career. It's a very different type of performance. He turns off the movie star charm. It's been well documented that Leonardo DiCaprio almost starred in this movie and I think Cooper is the better fit for the movie. Leo would have been too charming for the character. Cooper is better at playing someone down on his luck. I also think Cooper is just better at accents. Then you have Rooney Mara who is given a sometimes thankless role and turns it into a really good performance and one of my favorite things about Mara as an actor is her distinct voice. She has one of the most recognizable voices and I first noticed it after seeing her voice a character in the animated film Kubo and the Two Strings and her voice made her perfect for playing a carny in this film. Kate Blanchett has given two of the best supporting performances of 2021 in Don't Look Up and in Nightmare Alley and her character in Nightmare Alley is a bit of a mystery. You're not quite sure what her motivations are. Next you have David Strathairn who is one of my favorite actors. He's appeared in Eight Men Out, A League of Their Own, The Firm, LA Confidential, Good Night and Good Luck, Temple Grand 
Linden and Lincoln. In the last few years, he's given scene-stealing performances in Nomadland with Frances McDormand and Nightmare Alley. His scenes with Bradley Cooper are some of the best in the movie. He's one of the best supporting actors of all time. And finally, Tony Collette is an, on an incredible run in recent years. She started Hereditary, where she should have been nominated for an Oscar, Velvet Buzzsaw, another decent horror film, Knives Out, one of the best murder mystery movies ever, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, a very odd film with good performances, and Nightmare Alley. Her first scene with Bradley Cooper is tremendous. It's crazy that she hasn't been nominated for an Oscar since her first nomination in 2000 for The Sixth Sense. She's one of the most underrated actresses working today. Cooper's next film is Maestro, which he will direct and play composer Leonard Bernstein, along with Carrie Mulligan and Jeremy Strong, and Rooney Mara will next star in Women Talking with Frances McDormand, Ben Wishaw, Claire Foy, and Jesse Buckley. Brideshead Revisited with Andrew Garfield, Kate Blanchett, Ralph Fiennes, and she is going to play legendary icon Audrey Hepburn in a biopic. Both projects are directed by Luca Guadagnino. I mean, that could be the movie that Rooney Mara finally wins an Oscar. Her playing Audrey Hepburn, that is just made to be an Oscar contending performance. Let's talk about the director of Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro, who has had a fascinating career. He's directed both big blockbuster films like Blade 2, the Hellboy movies, and Pacific Rim. And in recent years, these strange yet really good smaller films, they include Crimson Peak, which I loved, The Shape of Water, which won Best Picture, and for it, Del Toro won Best Director at the Oscars. He gets great performances, particularly from actresses Mia Wojcikowska and Jessica Chastain in Crimson Peak, Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer in The Shape of Water. Both were nominated for Oscars, and Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, and Tony Collette in Nightmare Alley. Del Toro's next film is a stop-motion adaptation of the much-beloved Pinocchio, with a star-studded cast that includes Kate Blanchett, Tilda Swinton, Ewan McGregor, Christoph Waltz, John Turturro, and the aforementioned Finn Wolfhard. It's interesting to point out Disney is also making a live adaptation of their animated classic, directed by Robert Zemeckis, with Tom Hanks, Cynthia Erivo, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Both films are coming out later this year, so 2022 is the year of Pinocchio. Getting back to Nightmare Alley, it's a really good movie that feels like it's missing something. Maybe a great scene or moment, but something is holding it back from being great. It's also one of those movies that gets better after you see how it ends, like Memento, Shutter Island, or The Power of the Dog. Like, it's not endlessly entertaining throughout. You really have to get to that ending to see the bigger picture, and that can annoy some people. That can annoy me at sometimes. I mean, I'm watching this two-hour movie. I feel like the whole two hours should be meaningful. Why should I have to uncover the whole ending by the end mark? I'm also someone who's not the biggest fan of this idea that a movie can be great just because of its ending. I think the whole thing needs to work. I think the whole movie needs to be good. That's why Fight Club is a great film in my mind. It not only has a great ending, it has a whole great movie in the middle, in the beginning. The whole thing is great. Nightmare Alley is not great throughout. It's a really good movie with a great ending, but that ending overall does not make the movie great. Let's talk about this movie's Oscar chances. There's a slim chance that Bradley Cooper could get nominated for Best Leading Actor, although he has a way better chance at getting nominated for Licorice Pizza, a film I will be talking about next week on this podcast. There's also a strong 
strong possibility that Kate Blanchett gets a Best Supporting Actress nomination. She's a two-time winner for The Aviator for Best Supporting Actress and Blue Jasmine for Best Leading Actress and has seven overall nominations. And you can't count out Guillermo del Toro for Best Director, even if right now it feels unlikely. I think there's zero chance that this movie gets nominated for Best Picture. I could be wrong. I just don't see it as an Oscar contending film. Although this year there is going to be 10 films nominated. Could I see Nightmare Alley being the 10th film? It's a possibility, I guess. I want to talk more about Bradley Cooper because I do think he's kind of become the face of movies in this weird way. I mean, since he's directed The Star is Born, and this year particularly, he has starred in two films directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and Guillermo del Toro. So he's one of the most sought-out after actors. He's working with the best directors, and he's directing his own films. He is at the height of his movie star powers, and he's also getting critical acclaim for both of his performances this year in Licorice Pizza and Nightmare Alley. I think he's a bigger name now than he was when he was nominated for Best Leading Actor three years in a row for 2013 Silver Linings Playbook, 2014 for American Hustle, and 2015 for American Sniper. Those movies were really good and those performances were really good, but they were kind of polarizing. Some people loved those movies and some people didn't. It feels like there's a consensus that Bradley Cooper is doing the best acting work of his career this year. Overall, Nightmare Alley is a bit of a slow burn that gets better as it goes on. It's got a star-studded cast. It's a really suspenseful character piece that is rewarding by the end. Is it the most entertaining film of all time? No. Is it the funnest film ever? No. But if you're a fan of Del Toro's work or Bradley Cooper's, it's definitely worth seeking out. I think it's my second favorite Del Toro film. My first being Crimson Peak. I don't know how you can watch the movie Crimson Peak and not enjoy it. I think Tom Hiddleston gives one of his best performances. Jessica Chastain is great in it. Mia Wojcikowska steals the movie as the lead. I really like Crimson Peak. Charlie Hunnam in Crimson Peak. I wanted Charlie Hunnam to be in Nightmare Alley. He's given two really good performances in two Del Toro films. Pacific Rim and Crimson Peak. Let's end this podcast by talking about the year that Willem Dafoe had in 2021. He appeared in the biggest movie in the world, Spider-Man No Way Home, and films directed by Wes Anderson, Paul Schrader, and Guillermo del Toro. That's iconic. He was able to do weird indie films with all-time great directors while also appearing in a big-budget studio blockbuster like Spider-Man No Way Home. Defoe is not slowing down. He's really good in this movie. Everyone is really good in this film. I definitely recommend you watch Nightmare Alley. I think one of the reasons this movie isn't a bigger hit because it's a mystery film that takes itself way too seriously. Like, the mysteries that are doing well are the ones that are funny, like Knives Out. Like, these are murder mysteries that everyone's watching and they want to get to the end to find out what happens because they're having a fun time watching it. Like, Nightmare Alley is not a fun, good time. I think it's a rewarding film, but it's not a fun film. Like, one of the most popular shows on right now is the After Party on Apple TV. That's a fun murder mystery. Those are the type of mysteries that everyone is seeking out. I think they should be seeking out movies like Nightmare Alley. I do think it is a good, solid mystery film. It's just not the type of mystery film that everyone is seeking out right now. I think it's definitely worth watching Nightmare Alley, especially if you're a fan of mystery. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture 
Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And this week, I put the spotlight on the movies Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and Nightmare Alley. Next week is a must-listen-to episode as I'm talking about the movies West Side Story starring Rachel Zegler, Ariana DeBose, and Mike Face, directed by the one and only Steven Spielberg. Licorice Pizza starring Alana Heim, Cooper Hoffman, and Bradley Cooper, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and Kimmy, starring Zoe Kravitz, directed by Steven Soderbergh. That's free films directed by three of the best filmmakers of all time, so tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.